The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. We tremble, we 
face and turn from my wicked ways and you will heal I quit. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I've been a pastor for the past 53 years in Washington, D.C. This journey started with a question. Can I trust God? Is there a God? Will he answer prayer? I tested him. And he answered. I've studied theology all of my life. I have four years of undergraduate study, including 12 hours of Greek. I have a graduate degree in theology, a master's of divinity with Hebrew and Greek, as well as all of the basics, Old New Testament, eschatology, hermeneutics, archaeology, systematic theology. You name it, I've studied it. And what I've discovered is that almost everything that I have learned has been of an intellectual nature. It has been conceptual. It has helped me to draw a circle around myself and say, this is my place. As I have walked these years with Jesus, I have seen the outworking of the gospel of information, the gospel of seeking biblical truth, the gospel of being right. I've watched that. And in the struggle that I've gone through, I have done all in my power to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has cost me everything. I have not been on salary for over 30 years, receiving only from the Lord's hand by faith what he chooses to give to me, not asking any man or woman to give anything to me, but rather asking for the work of the gospel, for the radio, for the prayer chapel, but not for me personally. Now, the struggle has been for me, and please, I'm going to be very straight with you. I'm going to be very vulnerable with you, and I'm going to tell you 
what and why I'm quitting. It's not easy. I have found that I drew a circle around my life. And the question was, can I trust God? Now, it's easy to say, oh, yes, I trust God, while you're getting a paycheck. It's easy to say, I trust God, while your physical body is secure with with adequate funds to care for yourself, a car to drive, friends, family. But what I did was I drew a circle around myself and said, yes, this is my space. And when I needed something, I would cry out to the Lord and he would answer my prayer, sometimes quickly and sometimes at some length, some months of praying or even years of praying before an answer would come. And then I would attempt to, in some way, under his guidance, of course, quote, unquote, manage what he gave me, making the very best decisions I could make. That was my place. But underneath all of that, there continued to be an unbelief in my heart. A question still, can I really trust God? I don't mean cheaply. I mean, when the rubber hits the road, can I trust him? Or do I have to figure out a way to take care of myself with what he's given me? So I have wonderful credit. I have friends and family. I have skills that I can use for the work of the gospel, of course. And so, if God doesn't come through for me, I may have to use what I have available to me. I may have to use a credit card. And then the Lord said to me, do not go in debt. Pay the credit card at the end of the month or don't use it. And so, slowly, God had begun to cut the ground out from beneath my feet. The result was that my space began to shrink. Now, this journey has been long and arduous. It has not been easy. I have been severely disciplined by God time after time. I have been brought to tears and utter shame. I have made very 
poor choices sometimes about how to use what I have available to me to further the work of the gospel. Always my heart has been to further the work of the kingdom of God. But then I have to confess that when I would wonder, will he come through or will I need to use my own ability? And of course, I can hear some of you already saying, well, of course, pastor, you have to use your ability. God works with you, but bottom line, God helps those who help themselves. That's a lie. I've discovered it's a total lie. As I helped myself, as the years have gone by, God has cut the ground out from beneath my feet. Slowly. Kindly. Sometimes. Sometimes very abruptly. And I would say rudely. What I'm trying to describe is a place where I'm responsible and I'm in charge of my space. A place where resources come by the hand of God and then I'm responsible to spend those in the most responsible manner possible. I'm to reach out and minister as I have the strength and the energy. I'm to preach and teach as he directs me out of my place. Because the bottom line, underbelly question of my place is can I survive if I don't have my space, my place? And then within my place, I have a limited freedom to go and do what I want to do when I want to do it. I have the freedom of free will, of choice. And so there are times when I have been very concerned about others. And there have been other times when I have been very concerned about my own health and my own life and my own situation, my own needs. There have been times when I have gone beyond. I'll give you a very concrete example. I was driving a an old, old car, but a beautiful car. And a good friend desperately needed that car or a car. And so I gave it to them, thinking, surely God would be pleased that I would give someone my car and he'll quickly give me another. Well, the next day after I gave the car, this friend totaled the car. They were not hurt, but the car was totaled. And I said, Lord, what was that about? 
and and I need a car. And then for some months, I did not have a car. And I walked. I walked to the grocery store. I had that ability. I had someone pick me up and take me to meetings. Sometimes I would Uber. But it slowly began to dawn on me that God had been very displeased with my giving that car away and expecting him and asking him to please bring me another car, a newer car. He was not pleased. I had, in my space, given to someone and expecting God to give to me, and he didn't do it. And at first I said, whoa, can I trust God? Because all that I have has come from his hand. I don't have anything that did not come from him. And that's when it began to dawn on me that he was quite upset with me. And I finally went before him and repented for giving away a car that he had not directed me to give away, but simply out of the human spirit, I gave the car. I had the ground cut out from beneath me. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Some of you have a very large space that you call your place. But slowly, as you're in the school of the Holy Spirit, that ground gets cut out from under you. And you have less and less freedom of will. And the question is, will you surrender that entirely and completely into the hand of Jesus. Now, to do that, you have to be absolutely clear that you will wait on him and only receive from him what he chooses to give you. You will not go out and try to make recompense for what you have done wrong. You will not You will not say this debt belongs to me and now I've got to work 10, 12, 14 hours a day to repay this debt. You won't do that. You can, and God will cut the ground out from under you. And so God has, by his spirit, cut the ground out from under me. He's taken away family and friends. People think, The pastor must be insane to think that he can live without sinning against God and he can trust God to even provide him a livelihood. He can trust God to heal him. Well, slowly, 
as you walk with Jesus, your place becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. So this Sunday morning, I, when I arose, I went to the, to the prayer closet. And as I entered into the prayer closet, the Lord spoke to me. Now, he did not speak audibly to me, but it was like a flashing sword through my heart. I knew it was the Spirit of God. He said to me, a den of iniquity. And he said it in such a manner that it was forceful. A den of iniquity. And I was totally wiped out. I said, Lord, what are you saying to me? Why are you saying that I have a den of iniquity? Lord, I I don't want a den of iniquity. I want a den of righteousness. Help me to understand this, Jesus. Well, as I prayed that through, and it has taken time, this is very fresh. It's taken time. But he's shown me the underbelly of unbelief that I can trust my weight with Jesus, that he will order my steps, that he will provide for me all that he wants me to have, that when he provides for me, he does not expect me to suck this into my little place. Pardon me. He doesn't expect me to pull this into myself. It's not about me. It's about others. It's about the work of the gospel. It's the work of the kingdom of God. And as long as I take in resources, money, as long as I take in my time and my energy, and I say, this is about me, now this is what I'm going to do. God is calling that for me a den of iniquity. Well, iniquity is sin. What is the sin? The sin is unbelief. The sin is believing in myself. And so this morning in the prayer closet, it started last night in my sleep as I would awaken many times through the night. I was up probably five or six times. Very disturbed in my spirit, my heart. I finally said, Lord, I quit. I quit. I quit my place. And if I perish, I perish. This radio broadcast is not on the air because of me. It is on the air because of Jesus. I'm alive today not because I have some skill or some supplement. I'm alive today because the Holy Spirit quickens my body as he promised in Romans, the 8th chapter. 
All that I have has come from the hand of Jesus. Can I not trust him entirely and believe that he will do what he says he will do? Is God not true to his word? So I quit. I told the Lord this morning, Lord, I quit. Take the last remaining ground of self out of my life. I quit Ray Greenley. It's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. It's not about me. It's about other people, Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not want me to use the resources God gives me to care for me. He'll tell me what he wants for me, and he'll provide what he wants for me. And I said, Lord, okay, I quit. I'm done. I'm finished. So I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to believe based on the word of God and based on my own experience with him in learning the ways of God that I can trust him. And if I can't, then I'll die. And he'll have to deal with me in eternity as a man who died because he didn't keep his word, which is impossible. He always keeps his word. It's his word that upholds this earth. It's his word that brings the sun up in the morning. It's his word. His word is mighty and powerful. His word is Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth. Do you think I cannot trust him with money for rent? Do you think I cannot trust him for clothing? Do you think I cannot trust God? Now, we have a saying that is true. A man is what he eats. A man is what he eats. The same is true in the spirit realm. A person is what they eat. Some of you have a very large latitude. Your place is quite large. And in your place, you feast on the television, you feast on the YouTubes, you feast on your cell phone, you feast on the company of other people, you feast on your family relationships, you're comforted by all manner of things in this world. <clears throat> and then you bring into your already wonderful full life the story of Jesus. And you're very sentimental about it. I can't live that way. Either the Lord will provide for me or... I will die. And I have brought those precious resources into this very tiny space around me where I have the freedom to make decisions for myself. That's feeding on self. 
We are what we eat. Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Verse 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Is that really true? At a very practical level, is that true? And I will say, yes! 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 It's either true or it's not true. I have found it to be true, but I have still had a kernel of doubt and unbelief in my heart, and that is what he called a den of iniquity. A kernel of, if I could put it this way, a kernel of fear that I will die, that I'll lose everything, that I will be totally left alone. And so, of course, he's cut off the ground of many people around me. He's cut off friends and family. He's cut off all manner of people from my life. So that what I have is him. Then Jesus said to them, this is John, the sixth chapter. I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Some of you today have almost no life in you. Your place is so big, so broad, and you feast on all of these things. You feast on shopping. You feast on on everything in this world, the smorgasbord of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You feast on your work. You think you're of value because you produce. But you don't produce for the kingdom of God. You don't win people to Jesus. You argue with them intellectually, but your life doesn't match your words. Your actual living doesn't match your intellectual comprehension of the gospel message. This is the American issue. We say one thing and we do another. What we believe does not affect how we live. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Do you live today because of Jesus? 
Or do you have your own life support system that you have created with your job and your family? Do you have your own deal going? And then you add to that this wonderful news about Jesus and how he loves you. That's the American church. It's apostate. It's evil. And that little circle that I've had of being responsible before God, that's been evil too. And that's why I say I quit. I quit my own life. I quit, and I now live because of Jesus. Now, what are the ramifications for this? I don't know yet. I just know it's done. I know I love Jesus, and I know that the word says, if you love Jesus, obey his commands. Let me read it for you. This is in John, the fifth chapter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And this is how we know, in other words, this is the acid test. We love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. If you carry out God's commands, that's a sign that you love him. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcame the world, even our faith. That's where I had not overcome the world yet. And it's why I've made such a bold statement today that I that I quit Ray Greenlee's life. And I quit trying to survive. Oh, I'm like a cat with nine lives. I can always land on my feet. Even if times get really hard, I can live with nothing. No. My life is over. I quit Ray Greenlee's life. Now, some people aren't going to like that. Some people are going to ridicule and laugh. But I only want one thing. I want to feast on Jesus. Because his body is real food and his blood is real drink. And that's what sustains even my physical body. You ready to quit with me? You ready to say I'm finished with my life? With my wants? With my desires? With my objectives? With my bucket list? With my ambition? Are you willing to give up your little security blankets? Are you willing to quit your life and take up the life of the cross with Jesus and trust him? 
to trust him even to provide for you? Some of you are honest enough to admit that it was Jesus who gave you the job you have, and it's Jesus who gives you the money you have. But do you then take that and say, okay, now I'll be responsible and I'll spend it as I see fit? I'm so grateful for those of you who so regularly give to the National Prayer Chapel and to this broadcast. But I've had to be concerned for you and pray about you because many of you will give $100 a month. And I'm saying, Lord, are they giving that because that's their ritual gift? Or are they giving that because you've told them to give that amount? You see, I want to give, I want to go, I want to do only what the Holy Spirit leads me to. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit leading you because you're still in your circle, you're still in your will, and you're basically in charge of your survival, then you will not be walking in the Spirit. You'll be walking in your wisdom, your judgment. You'll be walking in what you know. I want to walk in the Spirit. And so I'm choosing today to say, okay, brothers and sisters, I quit. I quit my life. I move out of it. And I don't know how long it will be as I have moved out of my life before the Holy Spirit says, okay, I'll move in. Because I know the Holy Spirit will not move into a person's life if they still have part of it under their control and their power. The Holy Spirit does not share a life with you. It's either his life or he's not going to move in. Now, very practically, how long will it take for all of the debris to be moved out of my life? I've made the decision I quit. But as you know, if you say, I quit renting this house, you've got to move all the furniture out. Now, I moved by the power of God. He has moved a lot out. One brother said to me yesterday, Pastor, you're pretty bland. There's not much a, there's not much connected to you. You only want Jesus. Well, I laughed. But I said to myself, oh, the pain of having the ground cut out from under me. And now I'm saying, okay, Holy Spirit, come and cut out all the rest of the ground under me. I trust you to carry me. I'm not going to carry myself any further. I'm exhausted carrying myself. My heart is often filled with sorrow over the losses of my life. 
I'm done with it. I quit. No more condemnation. I'm asking Jesus to build a brick wall that comes right up to my heels to separate me from my past. The sin is gone. It's forgiven. There's no condemnation for him who is in Christ Jesus. I want to be only in Jesus. And every day I'm asking that that wall would move and catch up with where I am as he carries me, that I would not in any manner seek to be in charge. I want to walk in the spirit. I don't want to walk in the flesh. I don't want to spend any, any amount of my energy trying to please anyone except Jesus. I don't want anyone's approval except the approval of Jesus. So I'm not going to come on this radio broadcast and try to win you to me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I'm not going to condemn myself or judge myself. That's under the blood of Jesus. I quit. I'm done. Now, how long will it take for me to remain in this in-between place until the filling of the Holy Spirit comes? I used to talk about the gap dragon, and there is always a gap between the decision that you're going to take action and reduce the ground of your standing before God, and you're going to stand in Jesus Christ. There's always a gap in that space, and I call the gap dragon is the devil who comes and tries to consume the person who is in that in-between place where he said, I am, I am done with the world, I'm done with the flesh, I am done with me, and I'm now waiting on the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to submit to him. Well, the devil comes in the midst of that with some kind of crisis. Your car wipes out. Something happens. And you have to say, oh, whoa, 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 I'm I'm in trouble. I better move quickly to get this repaired or I'm not going to survive this. Right, and the devil eats you. Remember the roaring lion who walks around seeking whom he may devour? How does he devour you? By causing you to walk in your flesh and in unbelief and not trust totally in Jesus Christ. So I'll tell you how I'm going to avoid the gap dragon. I'm going to just lift my hands before Jesus and praise and worship and honor him. My whole attention is going to be on Jesus and is on him. Now, what will that cutting out from under me look like? Well, I don't have much room there, but part of it is going to be 
trusting him for my physical health. Part of it is going to be trusting him with money. Not going to check every day the post office, not going every day to check if any money was given on YouTube, but simply trust him. He'll bring it in his own way. I don't have to check. It's going to mean much less time on the internet. Oh, not looking at anything evil, just looking. I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm going to go to the scriptures. I'm going to go to prayer. I'll go and minister to those he calls me to go and minister to. I will not go to those he does not call me to go to and minister to. You know, pastors like to be the the be-all and the do-all and give everything and be the great source of nourishment for the world. No, I'm not that. I'm nobody. I have nothing. I am nobody and I have nothing. It all belongs to Jesus. And it's in his hands. I'm in his hands. To be nobody and to have nothing is a glorious place to live when you have Jesus. If you don't have Jesus, you're going to be searching the world for love. You're going to be utterly discouraged because you don't think your husband or your wife loves you the way you want them to, or they don't respect you the way you want them to. All of that is gone when you allow Jesus to cut the ground out from under your feet. When Jesus comes, I'm going to be taken up to him. There's not going to be any ground under my feet. I better get used to that now. There's no ground under my feet. I am nothing. And I have nothing, but I have Jesus. And my heart is filled with the warmth of God. I have the peace of Jesus. My peace is not dependent on having money for rent or utilities, even though by his grace, I just paid the gas bill of $300. That was Jesus. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you today? I want you to be asking Jesus if he would cut out from under your feet your ground of standing in yourself. Are you willing to do that? I'm not trying to emotionalize this today, even though I could, because to be honest with you, it is 
It is a decision in cold blood, and it is very emotional for me. It means I can't save myself anymore. You willing? You willing to quit? Quit yourself. And let Jesus... Let's pray. Almighty one of Israel, you are the great creator of heaven and earth. You keep the the earth in space. You cause the sun to rise in the morning. You created me. And I know by your dying on the cross that you love me with an unending love, an unfailing love. And Lord, I come today and I say, Almighty God, I am yours. Cut from me my ground of standing in the flesh. I release it to you. I I cast it off in the name of Jesus. My standing is not in some intellectual understanding. It is in the heart, faith, trusting in you, Jesus. And Lord, it's going to be hard for some who've heard this broadcast. I pray your mercy for them. I pray that you will meet them today, that you will lift them up and encourage them to take the same stand that I'm taking Lord, thank you. I bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. I say glory, glory, hallelujah to the name of Jesus. Glory, hallelujah to the name of Jesus. I have to say, help my unbelief. Remove it from me. I am choosing to trust you, Jesus, with with no ground of my own, with no place for me, but only a place for you and your kingdom. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I invite you to to respond, you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. I'd like to go to the post office when the Lord sends me and find your letters. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I want to thank each one of you who has given those $100 gifts or $5 gifts or $1,000 gifts, $2,000, Thank you. I also invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. 
You may want to listen to this broadcast again, and it will be posted later today. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you with all my heart. And I can tell you, we can stand on the rock. I'll talk to you soon.